It is not I that want to speak this morning because God has a word that he wants to share with his people. And all the things that have already been said, there's nothing new under the sun. God just want to give us a clear perspective, a simplified way in which we can magnify his name. Because we have complicated things and we have interfered with God in really fulfilling his complete will. So if you will, let us kneel and have another word of prayer together, all right? Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we come in your presence because you have called us into your presence. And nothing we can do without the aid of thy Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray that every man and woman and every young person, middle-aged or old, might be under the unction of thy spirit that we might receive the engrafted word into these very beings of ours and that that word will become flesh. Now, Father, I have nothing to offer, but I allow you to speak through me that my heart might be glad in your people and that we might hasten the footsteps of your coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Like I said, it's been a wonderful journey. First of all, I'd like to say to uh, Pastor Sharp and Shaw and all the brothers and sisters here who knows me that your prayers for my experience, <laughs> your prayers for seven days of sleeping in God's laboratory as he spoke to my heart and answer the prayers of his people when there was no solution to the problem. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time because it would take too much time. And I will just intersperse as we speak. As some of you all know that uh, I had a very wonderful encounter, but it might not be wonderful for those who were praying for me at that time but knew and my lovely wife. Those who have not met my bride from my side, honey, would you just stand so they can see uh, for 43 precious years. Uh, we've been knowing one another since we were 17. All the way from the streets of Chicago. A woman that as I lie there under the control of man, she stroked my brow wiped my drooling face when the doctor said there was no hope. July 17, uh, we made a journey uh, to England. We're supposed to be in Nigeria. And that's why God is always in charge. If I had been in Nigeria, I probably wouldn't be here today. So he shut that door and then I got another call. And as some of us, we have this deep passion, addiction, as Brother Sharp brought out, to touch lives. Come on now. I spent 80% of my time on an airplane. So July 17, we landed in London, England, to conduct a short two-week training seminar. Dispatched from the airport, taken to the place of residence, began to unpack, prepare myself and 
the people had a meal. It was pretty late, so therefore we had worship, prayed, went for a walk, came back, took a shower, prayed, kissed my bride from my side, laid down. And I not, did not wake up to seven days later. Are you listening to me? I was without, without oxygen for 30 minutes to the brain. Five minutes caused irreparable damage. Are you listening to me? 30 minutes without oxygen to the brain. So when I woke up, seven days on the Sabbath, I woke up praying for the people in that ward. They were hauling them out in stretcher, body bags, bringing more in. I woke up praying for the people, my bride holding my hand. I did not question God's divine appointment, did not consider what went and he said a very simple thing and I want to talk to you about that he said son surrender that's all he said to me he said, he said surrender we hear that word all the time for practically 40 years I've been into this work Like a lot of you all, God, recover our steps from the very hellish path of Satan, from the streets of Chicago. I can go on and on. So I will assume because I'm traveling, sharing the good news of Christ, involved with a full-time ministry, that I'm not like other people, no longer drink, smoke, whoremonger, whatever. But I'm all right. But God said, if it's just <coughs> point zero 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 one, it's too much of you, son. You are a fixer. You like to fix problems, people problems, ministry problems. And when you fix it, it's not fixed. Take your hands, first of all, offer your life in the work of this ministry. That's all I ask. And God does not fuss with us. He does not contend with us. He does not create agitation. When we want to be in a driver's seat, God moves out. He just moves out. He's still near. But when we get in a ditch, then we pray. And God didn't say, I told you. He didn't say that. He stretched his hands out. Seven days. And for those probably heard my testimony, my condition, I did not have a heart attack. When they took a full examination of my body, they were baffled. They found nothing wrong with my heart, 
like a baby's heart. They found nothing in my arteries. They were clean. And so they ponder. And the only thing they can tell my wife, if he come around, if he survive, he will not, i say it again, talk or walk. That's what they say. My wife is one really needed the prayers because I was seven days resting. Are you listening to me? Because my life is busy. Sharp. Busy. And when he was talking about addiction, because I used to play sports, my first passion. It's another thing God did to me. He gave me arthritis maybe about 40 years ago, stopped my pursuit as a professional basketball player. That you become so addicted to something and even with this work, you operate on what you call spiritual adrenaline. If you ever play sports, you operate on a high. And it feeds it. It feeds it. And even though your body has been impacted, but you yourself gets joy from that high. And so in this work, especially young men, as God calls you, we can have the same problem. We cannot shut down the work because that's not what God wants. But how does he propose for us to do this work without killing yourself prematurely? So, Brother Sharp, I'm addicted to the work. I heard you last night. <laughs> and I said, Lord, have mercy. How can we deal with this addiction? So let's go to the word of God. I want to intersperse this. Let's go to the word of God. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. We're going to spend time there with the little moments we have. I pray that what I have learned in, these, in this journey Nothing new, but yet the clarity and the understanding of it and applying it has brought a peace, brothers and sisters, that I never experienced in my 40 years. I don't know if you're listening to me. 40 years, that means under agitation, irritation, whatever it can be, it does not disturb the peace. I remember coming home and as I sat with the staff of the ministry. I said that we're not becoming anxious for nothing. God said the labors, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. We read this all the time. The Bible said, pray to the Lord of the harvest and he will send labors. What do we do? We recruit labors. Have mercy. And we recruit them based on the talents they have and not the passion for Christ. I've done it for 39 years. Young talents, brilliant talents. When I came back, we have a wonderful team. I came back, 
God said, no more. You don't recruit anybody. By the way, you do not manage this ministry. I want possession of it. Now, I'm saying this because I was talking to a brother at the table. Uh, the brother's here, and I said, you know, we encounter some serious problems, but there's only one word to describe our problem. We'll see this in a moment. One word. And when I was in that hospital for four weeks, never been in a hospital before, for four weeks, can you imagine, maybe some have, someone bathing you, clothing you, feeding you, walking you to the bathroom. But when I woke up and realized, and I remember there was a nurse, and my wife tell the story, carried me to the bathroom, and I said, can I just pause a moment? Can I just speak with you one moment? I said, you're doing a wonderful job. You're doing a wonderful job. And I don't want to seem to be unappreciative. But could you do me one favor? Come on, come on. Could you find a male nurse? Well, we don't have those. Well, what about an orderly? We don't have those. Well, what about a male janitor to go to the bathroom with me? <laughs> come on, come on, come on. I did say that. And she said, so Jackson, we'll do the best we can. Tying your shoes. Feeding you. I come from a background of self-sufficiency. I come from a background of independence. Are you listening to me? I grew up that way. Without a father, with a strong mother, I'm the youngest out of, out of uh, six, eight children out of the streets of Chicago. I survive. An independent spirit carried over into the ministry. Are you listening to me? That impacted my disposition. To know what it means to be carried by somebody and to be totally dependent on someone. What does that do to you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? What does that do to you? What does it affect? Pride. Say it again. Your pride. Your pride. To be totally dependent and helpless. God knew what I needed. Therefore, he placed me in that condition even as I speak, I went to the best hospital in England, which I did not know. The doctors were surprised. They said, we cannot find anything that contributes to this problem. So when I woke up and was able to talk to the doctors, I said, well, doctors, then what is your prognosis? Well, maybe it's heredity. I said, well, I don't think so. I know my family tree. You call that idiopathic. When you don't know in the medical field, you lost with something, so you got to come up with something in order to fulfill your prognosis. So they want to give me a test. 
to trace my roots. And I, they want to shoot stuff at me. I said, I refuse that. I said, no, we don't do that. I said, now, what then will be your approach? Well, you did not have a heart attack. There was no occlusion there. But there's problem with the electric current in your heart. And what we should do without knowing the cause, to go into your heart, into the right chamber of your heart, and burn out the cell that conduct the electrical current in your heart. <coughs> As of a doc, I appreciate your wisdom and intelligence. If it's all right, I can refuse that procedure. Amen. This is your choice. Because they only hope they can give you they have to control the electrical current in your heart. I didn't have to think about that to pray because I knew downloaded that is not what I believe that the Lord want me to go through at this time. Mm -hmm. So let me go back home to America. We shall see. In six months, I'll tell you that in the end. So as we go to the book of John, we want to see something here. We want to talk about. It's a very fundamental. Abiding in Christ. What does that mean? The message that I've heard so far, the Lord is good. But I find in my 40 years, we can preach good. We intellectually claim the promises. But to appropriate them is something that we have challenges with. And so I want to spend a little moment talking about that. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. We want to read together verses 1 through 8, if we can. Read together verses 1 through 8. Get John 15, 1 through 8. You with me? Amen. You have your Bibles. So let us read together. Father, just give us understanding and right application. Let's read it together. Let's begin. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in the very fr fruit. He take it away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purge it. He might bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken. By in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abide in me and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I want you to stop right there. What did that last part say? Please keep this in mind. Without who? You can't do nothing. What does that nothing include? Keep that in mind. Because we are sitting here believing we can do something. That's right, that's right. I'm serious. Let's continue. Verse 6. And mean by not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. 
and men gather them and cast them into the fire and burn. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Here my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye. Now, I hope these reading this scripture resonate with you. So, Christ tells us in John 1, 15, 8. But in John chapter 15, 1, he said, I am the what? True vine. Now, why did he say he was a true vine? He had just, that's true, he had just finished in the upper room with his disciples before he was going to go to Gethsemane, then Calvary. This is the backdrop. Peter, all the disciples there, as he began to communicate, he said, I am the vine. No. He said, I am the true vine. Why did he say that? That's true. But the disciples thought that Israel was the true vine. Did you hear what I'm saying? Peter, John, all the disciples was looking to Israel, the leaders, the church, as being the vine. Are you with me? Keep this in mind. Christ said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Keep that in mind. He goes on and says, I'm the true vine, and you are the what? Now, Christ is the? True vine. Did you hear that? Not the preacher, not the leaders, not the church. They have a place. But Christ is the true vine. You and I are the branch. Keep that in mind. Let's look at this for a moment. The fruit is the produce of the branch by which men are refreshed and nourished. The fruit is not for the branch. Did you hear that? but for those who come to carry it away. I don't know if you're getting that. It goes on. As soon as the fruit is ripe, the branch let it go to commence afresh its works of charity and prepare fruit for another season. Did you hear that? The fruit come forth, the branch let it go. For what? For someone else to be nourished, to be cherished. Then it goes on, produce more fruit. Hope you're getting this. You are the what? You connected to what? All right, keep this in mind. A fruit-bearing tree lives not for itself, but wholly for those to whom its fruit brings refreshment and life. Because I asked a person, I said, you know, what is our purpose here? Now, I want us to understand this. You cannot mix the fruit of the Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Did you understand what I'm saying? Amen. There are gifts. Healing, teaching, preaching. Those are gifts. Those are not the fruit. Amen. That's, right. That's, That's right. why in these last days when Jesus comes, many of us are going to say, Lord, haven't I seen AIDS cure? The dumb speak. Hundreds of people, because of my preaching, has entered into the church. And he says, what? 
I know you're not. You workers of iniquity. But you travel around the world, Jackson. You have seen many people bless. Can that not recommend me to God? And God put me to sleep for seven days in a death sleep and said, that is not what it's all about. And I was really feasting on that. I didn't steal. I didn't lie to people. I used to be competitive, but God removed that spirit. You have a work. You have a work. What's that to me? That's God. Not trying to make meat ministry all in all. Because if meat ministry was everything, then there would be no need for nobody else. And meat ministry is on a branch. Oh, yes, listen to me. So all a branch. A branch. And so therefore, I thought the works I were doing was my recommendation and my ticket into heaven that I be prepared. I'm in the country. I eat decent, trying to grow some food. Are you listening to me? But God said, I'm putting you to sleep because I need some time with you. Not your wife, not your children, not me, ministry. I need time with you because you will not take time. Yes, I get up. I have devotion. I read the word of God. I read how I can execute the work. But not, never to fine-tune my spiritual life. I live on osmosis. Forty years. God did not have to wake me up. I would have woke up in the second resurrection. I know what I'm talking about. I've been down that pathway. You'll see in a moment, just travel through this. Notice what it says. It says, and so the branch exists only and entirely for the sake of the fruit. You, I want this to resonate now. It got to resonate. People say, why are you called here? Well, I'm called. I travel around the world. I got to win souls. That's not why you call. You call to bear fruit. And therefore, when they see those fruits, when God said, when they see those good works, they will glorify the Father. My work is not even to save my family because I can't save myself. My work is not even salvation. My work is to bear fruit. You got to get this. You got to get this. People say, why are you serving the Lord? I want to be saved. Why? You want to be saved? That's not why God created you. He created you to reflect his image, to bear fruit. In that, you will be saved. Hello out there. So I've been working to be saved, man. I missed the boat. When people say my work, but they say, man, that brother, you know, he rises up when he's irritated. Uh, he's doing a good work, but he rises up when he's irritated. Us, Are you listening to me? He's been offended. He don't have a heart of forgiveness. He's doing a good medical mission work. I've seen people get well, overcome cancer. But man, look at his spirit. Anybody listen to me? So don't glory in your gifts. Use them, but that's not what God is looking for. Those gifts must have a spirit behind it. 
to make glad the heart of the husband. Who is the husbandman in this illustration? This is not a parable. The vine is not a parable. It is an illustration. So who is the husband? God is. To make glad the heart of God. We have found out the purpose of ribs is to protect the heart. When time passed, we study that Adam went to sleep, God put him to sleep, and out of the rib produced Eve. So the woman was created to protect the heart of the man. And so since the woman is a type of the church and Adam is a type of Christ, my been called to protect the heart of God. Not my heart. I've been called to protect his heart. He didn't raise me out of death to be, go about business as usual. He has a work for us to do. He has a work especially for me to do. It's about his heart. As the believer abides in Christ, he not only grows in strength, the union with the vine become ever sure and firmer. Notice what it says. He also bears fruit. Yes, much fruit. He has the power from Christ to offer to others that of which they can eat and live. Hmm? Amid all who surround him, he becomes a tree of life. Did you hear that? Of which they can taste and be refreshed. Are you getting this? You become, in the hands of God, a tree of life. Not so much about your preaching expertise, your oratory skills. It's about the fruit. Follow me now. I want to shift your focus to the common denominator. Goes on. He is in his circle, a center of life and a blessing. You remember God bless Abraham? And all that was under him, they were blessed. His children were blessed. Are you following me? Just by being in Abraham's line. Are you listening to me? That means just you, just you. Your family received the blessing through you. Even though they are out in the street and they have not been killed yet, it's because God put a blessing on you. That just took the weight off of me. I said, Lord, all I need to do is abide in you, and the blessing flows from you to me, to my children, to my brothers and sisters who are acting crazy. Yes, they will. Am I speaking all right? That's what he did to Abraham. That through me, the blessing flows. Like I said, I'm the youngest of eight. It's only three of us living. I'm the youngest. My oldest sister, she's 91. And the baby girl that's supposed to be the baby, which is 12 years older than I am, I come along and spoil her party. So there's only three of us left. I have a host of nieces and nephews. Four years ago, now my folks, we were just out there in the street, acting as we act, partying and drinking. And God called me 
in that darkness and sitting on a sure path. Several years ago, I said to my wife, I said, we know, let's start a family prayer line. So I began to download to my nieces and nephews and et cetera, and my sisters. Four years have transpired. We started a prayer line. All I need to do is just step back, and my nephews are now running with the ball, Amen. preaching the word. My family, the blessing flows. Are you following? I cannot boast in that. It's only because of the vine and me being connected with the vine. I cannot save my family. You cannot save your family. You must stay connected with the vine and watch the spirit flow. Watch it flow, I guarantee you. People are filled with anxiety. My child, I talked to a woman. She said, my child, I said, my dear, where are you standing today? What do you mean? Are you in Christ abiding? Yes. Well, your demeanor and your reaction speak otherwise. Because when you abide, know how to abide in Christ, your peace will never be disturbed. I don't care what the woman say or the husband say or the worker say or the child say or what they do. It can't disturb you. Know why? Because God said, I'm the vine. This is what I want you to do. And let's flow through. And I will take care of that. You'll see this. Let's move on. It goes on. If Christ, the heavenly vine, has taken the believer as a branch, follow this, then he has pledged, who? Himself to do what? In the very nature of things to supply the sap. Now, how many of us, we're all into gardening, and you know with the vine, we have uh, grape vines, but that sap comes from that vine that permeates that branch, that gives it life. Are you following what I'm saying? The branch do not produce the sap. The vine produce the sap. Are you following me? I hope, I'm, I'm taking my time. I want you to just resonate with this. You got to first come to the conclusion that Christ is the true vine, you are the branch, and therefore without him, you and I can do nothing. To supply the sap and spirit and nourishment to make it bring forth fruit. Notice what Hosea 14, 8, you can read that. From me is thy fruit found. Did you hear that? Read it. You can read the whole context. Where is the fruit found? In Christ. You say, well, I call, I'm going to produce some fruit. You cannot produce one iota. You cannot add one cubit to your height, change one gray hair to black. Not until, especially young folks, and especially those of old, you got to get to the point that you cannot do nothing. Now, I can sit and preach all day till that happens. But God said to me, I'm going to take you away, put you in a foreign country, and put you to sleep. No friends, no money, put you to sleep. And I could not understand what my wife was going to, because why? I was sleeping. But I thank God for the phone call to my wife, Pastor Chuck, the prayer that surround her with love, with skin on it. Are you listening to me? 
Because I'm quite sure she went through some experience. But I was resting. I could not enter into her experience. Everybody listen to me? We go on. This comes from the book called Abiding Christ, Andrew Murray. The soul need but have but one care. To abide closely, fully, whole. Did you hear that? Young men, middle-aged men, older men, if you have two cares, it's too much. About a job, identity problems, you got too many cares. You have one care to abide. When I came home, I talked to the staff and because, you know, they look, they look, you know, folks look to you because you sit, your, you know, put your position, they, 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 they feel that you've got to have some solution to problems. When I told the administrative staff, I said, I don't, don't have a solution to this. I said that. You should have saw the expression on their face. I'm serious. They look to you to fix it. I said, did God speak to Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Did he speak to them? How many, did he speak to them? Is that God still alive today? Are we still living in Bible days? You can't separate Noah time from our time. We are still, but we're living in the most glorious part of Bible days. And the same God of Adam, of Noah, yeah. of Abraham, yeah. of Isaac, yeah. of Jacob, the God of my loving Savior, can still speak today. Thank you. I said, no, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. Mm. And that praying, like you said, waiting, Come on. as we talk about, that waiting is not passive. Because your God and my God is a proactive God. He's constantly involved with our lives. So for me to say to wait, I need to be waiting on the Lord. What? I need to be bringing blessings to the Lord. Come on, come on, come on. That's what I heard. As I am waiting on God, that means serving him. Lord, what you have me to do today? What would you like? Lord, how do you want me to treat this? I'm waiting on the Lord. And while God is taking care of my business, I'm taking care of God. Amen. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So I don't need to go fix that brother over here. I wait on the Lord. God fixed that brother. He fixed him. The fruit then. So Jesus is the vine. I'm the branch. The fruit. What's the fruit? These are the fruits that God want to produce in your life. The love. The joy. The peace. The long suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, and temperance. That's even hell free form. Why are you listening to me? Those are the fruits that must manifest. Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 26. So we're not confused now what the branch produced. The, the branch produced these fruits. By their fruit, you shall know. Jesus is a fruit inspector. He didn't say how many sermons you preach, how many countries you've been to, how many training schools you're in. He said, do you have love in your heart for me and for the people? Do you have gentleness when the wife 
tend to be a little agitated, and you're going to just stir up like a, a hearty man instead of being gentle. Are you listening to me? Because a woman knows that, you know, you love the Lord. He, my, my husband loves the Lord. He's out there preaching every day. But man, there's hell in his heart. These are the fruit. Keep this in mind now. These are the fruit now. Are you with me? Let's move on. Now, look at John. Let's go back to John. We're almost coming. All right, so who is the true vine? Who is the branch? Who is the husband? God is. What's the fruit that needs to be produced? The fruit of the? That's important. That's important. When we come to a conclusion, we're going to see something here. Let's go to John 5. You with me there? Okay, verse 2. Follow me. Every branch that, John 15 too, follow me. 15, John 15. We need to move on. Every branch in me <clears throat> that bear not fruit, he what? Take he take it away. See, that's going to become a separation time. Come on, come on, come on. The wheat and the tares, who does the separation? God does the separation, brothers and sisters. How can I say, you here, you there? I, I remember <laughs> several years I'm smiling because I was caught up into a lot of these things. <clears throat> I was at a little church. <clears throat> Brothers had said, well, we got to meet here because they are the tares over there. Lord, Lord. So we get caught up into that. And because we read in the word all out of context, we be looking at our own position and not understanding what God actually created us for, to bear fruit. Now, follow me. <clears throat> Does a vine need pruning where there's no fruit? No. Only one person. You stand on that, Elder Derek? No. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't let... I don't know nothing. <laughs> but, but God... That's my answer today. <laughs> but God does put something in us who can agree with God, Amen. resonate with God. Where there's no fruit, there's no need for pruning. Amen. I want you to get this now. Where there's no fruit, there's no need for pruning. Did you hear that? I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. If you're being pruned, then God saw some fruit. <laughs> You ain't getting this. If there's no fruit, Smith, there's no pruning needed. The only reason he's going to prune you, he see a little fruit. And why is the pruning? Because he wants you to bring more fruit. So therefore, in my pruning process, once I understood this, I was not stressed out. I said, thank you, Lord. No matter what man said, prune on. So my wife can see those fruits. My children can see the fruit. The church members can see their fruit. Because when I preach, I'm backed by the fruit. Keep this in mind. If there's no fruit, there's no pruning. So if you're being pruned, God sees some fruit in you. Woo! Therefore, we don't complain about that. Follow me now. Notice what the Bible says. Verse 2. Every branch in me that bear not fruit. He take it away. Follow me. Every branch that bear fruit, hello, he what? Purge. He purge it. 
Why? To destroy me? No. That it may bring forth more fruit. More what? More fruit. Let's, let's go back here. Let me, we got to see something here. It's going to bring forth more fruit, more love, that's right, that's right. more joy, right. more peace, more long-suffering, more gentleness, more goodness, more faith, more meekness, more temperance. Therefore, these fruits are very clear. Do you need more love? Yes. You need more? Come on, talk Come to on. me. Yes. Thank God for the pruning. Don't kick against the bricks. Are you with me, ladies and gentlemen? I thought I loved God, Elder Shaw Pastor. I thought I loved God. Man, walked away like a lot of us. I'm just not me. Walked away from jobs and et cetera, et cetera, and get into these reforms and live in the woods and eight years, no running water and electricity and et cetera. You know, that was my way of saying, I love the Lord, man. And you do. You want some more love. Hello. Thank you, brother. Because there was some fruit, but it was not what God wanted. He got to have more fruit. So what he did to me, he might do something else for you. Are you following me? He knew the very disposition I made out of. He knew my temperament. Just to have a house burned down won't get it for me. I lost houses. I slept in concrete floors. He put me to sleep. Now, let me say something else. I fast forward. Test and trial is not the pruning. Follow me now. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Bet. Test and trials, Pastor, is not the pruning. Put your eyes here. Verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You see the pruning? It's cutting. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is like a two-edged sword. Here's the way we have a dilemma. I said tests and trials are not the pruning. It's the solution provided by the word that causes you the problem in your test and in your trial. Okay, I know maybe one, I saw Pastor Shaw, everybody got to resonate with this. Okay, say, uh, say you, 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 you're holding up, you know, Say, say you're a Sabbath keeper. In fact, you got a job. And they say, well, you, you, you got to work on Sabbath. That's a trial. Because that's your job. Would you say, Pastor? That's a trial, right? You just say, well, man, God is pruning me. You see, some people don't have no trials. Some little trials. Are you with me? Some people have very little trials. So if I just say the trials are the pruning, then some folks are not being pruned at all. It's the solution that the word provide in that experience. Give you a case of point. You encounter contention, breakdown in relationship, bitterness, rage up in you, separation. So you had a trial with a brother. You kicked out. You're sleeping on the floor. 
you lose everything. Is that a trial? That is a trial. But that's not the pruning. God said, forgive him. That's the pruning. Do you hear what I said? That's the pruning. When you got to forgive that person who caused the pain to come to your heart. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there too. I'm quite sure you all been there. But we look at the trials of the pruning. But it's the solution that the word provide in that experience that provide the pruning. Because when we hear the word, it cut cross our human nature. We don't want to yield to the word. Man, I ain't forgiving that brother. No, He's going to do something better than that. Are you listening to me? Anybody listening to me? When the word offer a solution, that's the pruning you need. Therefore, when I'm not being loved, think I'm being loved, I say, oh, okay, Lord, prune me. He said, you're going to have to love them in spite of. Oh, man, that's, is that hard? Yes, it, yes, is. it, is. Yes, it is. Did anybody else outside my folk up here get that back there? Anybody get back there? Please, I want you to get it now. I don't want to be long with this. I'm going to tell you from my experience, this, this five months since my death sleep has revolutionized my life. I know. Because we have been in battles with brothers and sisters and et cetera, and I can go on and on and on. I don't even want to even just weigh you down with that. But when I found this out, God said, what you went through, those are tests and trials. That's not the pruning. But the pruning was how you responded to my word as the solution to the problem. Lord, I have failed. I have failed. Because your word told me I need to do this in that situation. So we go around and say, man, I had a hard time, bad trial. Brother, that's not your problem. Your problem is the solution that God provides for that by submitting to his word. Am I making sense? I hope so. Because, you know, I'm, my words is nothing. God don't make sense in you. I can't help it. But I know what he's doing. Pruning. Pruning is a painful. A recent prune vine may not appear beautiful. Woo! Are you listening to me? We still want to look good while we're still messing up. It may not appear beautiful to behold yet, but the pruning process is to enable the branch to do what? To bear more love, to bear more joy, and more peace as we as we teach these three angels' message. That's all it is. Because you know what? You see, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, old Peter, boastful Peter, he was preparing them for the pruning. Because he's going to Gethsemane, into Gethsemane, then the Calvary. Are you listening to me? So what happened to Peter then? We thought he was the Messiah. He's, he's, he's hanging on a tree. That took it out of them. They did not get the interview or the last will and testament from Jesus Christ. He was preparing them. And we can look back and say, Lord, you're preparing us. 
when the crisis comes, huh? When the man is on our back and etc. What are we gonna do? It's coming. But that is not my concern. I need to be aware that my concern is: Am I abiding in the vine? Because if I'm not abiding in the vine, my off-the-grid efforts is not going to save me. I got to have both. I got to abide in that vine while I do that work. Keep that in mind. Clean, purge through the word. John 15.3. John chapter 1. What does it say? In the beginning, what? Was the word. In the word. In the word. Amen. Clean, purge through the word. Jesus is the word. John 5.39. Search the scriptures. You all need to write it down or get this. Search the scriptures. For they, they testify. Of me. What scripture? Only from Genesis to Revelation. Now, here's a bonus for you. Those of us who might not be as astute as some other people in understanding the word. But there's, listen to this. You might not be able to understand clearly everything is written. But there's one thing for sure that God has given us. The word was made flesh. So we can look at Christ's life as I am. We can look at Christ's life and find what we should be doing. Am I making sense? Even though sometimes the word is not clear to us, I have a sure anchor to my soul. I can look to the life of Christ and see how he functioned, how he dealt with those continuous spirit, how he dealt with the church, how he dealt with the family. Are you listening to me? Amen. I can look at his life and I see a written book right there. For those who might not have all that ability to understand all the injustice, the life of Christ. Life of Christ. Clean. Hebrews 4.12 said the word is like a knife. Turn with me to Psalm 79. Psalm 79. Look at this. Write these scriptures down, and as you have your time, please go back and look at these. In Psalm 79, look at what it says in verse 9. Psalm 79, verse 9. The Bible tells me in verse 9, this was it. Listen, what's it? Help us, O God, our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us, and purge away our what? That thy name might be what? So the Persian is to cleanse us that we can bear more fruit. Purge me. And you know Psalms 51. Let's look at it. Psalms 51. Purging, the pruning process. In Psalms 51, the Bible tells me, you know the whole story there, but verse 7 tells me here. In Psalms 51, the Bible says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be what? White as snow. 
Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. In verse 10, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. What's the purpose of the pruning? What's the purpose of pruning? Come on. Bear fruit is to cleanse us so we can bear fruit. Are you with me so far? Let's move on. You and we go to Psalms 51, 7, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 19, 21, Hebrews 1 and 3. The Bible says the purging process, the purging, to bear forth more fruit. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11. More fruit. Purging. Purging. So we should not despise the purging. Amen? I know I don't know more. <laughs> I don't know about you. But I, I said, Lord, when are this going to, I thought the trials were the purging. But God said his word. When God said, I want you to eat this, and I said, I don't want to eat that. He said, that's the solution to your problem. I want you to wear this. God's word come to us. And that word conflict with our disposition and attitude. Are you with me? And it's all right. Because we reject it. God does not give up on us. He doesn't give up. He, he said, well, God, he said, Lord, I, I want, <laughs> I have a young lady that's uh, with us now from England. She was helped uh, my friend Brad to work with me after I got out of the hospital. So she's back here with us. And because uh, we have another partial land about 25 miles from the ministry. And uh, we've been living at the ministry on the property, so we moved all our stuff to another place. So anyway, I said, I need to get over there because uh, we have a, had a double-wide trailer that's been rented out, and now it's vacant. So I said, I'm going to donate it to the ministry. So I need to go over there. And so the doctors told me I could not drive since July, but now I can drive. So I had to have a driver. That's what they said. But anyway, so the, so the young lady, and I'm thinking she's in England, and they drive on the left side of the road. And going to my place, you know, you got winding and you, you, you got ditches. And, and I was just, you know, holding on and, and praying <laughs> in my spirit, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I make a long story short, we get back. On our way back home, I said, dear, could you just get in the, in the passenger seat? She, she called me Papa J. I said, Papa J, but the doctor said you can't drive. I said, you get in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, you get in the past. But, but Mama, I said, it's going to be all right. But the I said, it's going to be all right. So, so I took over the drive. Because I felt I need to get back safe. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Uh, and so I was under doctor's order, et cetera. And then when I got back, you know, the spirit just downloaded me. See, son, you was wrong. That's the way you treat me. You put me out of the driver's seat because you want to drive until you get in a ditch. That's what he told me. I apologize because I was under man. Yes, I was wrong. Whose problem is that? Come on, follow me now. Now, follow me. All I'm saying, if I was under order that I was not to drive, that's what it's told. You got to follow this. That you was. Gotta work. You got to work. 
That, that's a word. Again, God said, abide in me. Therefore, I took control of that situation. I'm just, but see, it's not going to be ditches, Elder Shaw. There's some other things that are going to come to our lives, and, we, and we're going to rationalize it. We're going to defer it. That, that's what I got to learn, man. If I know, if I know that God said, I'm abiding in him, then he is responsible for that. He's not going to let nothing happen to me that it doesn't want to happen to me. Am anybody get one person get this? I don't care what it is. I don't know. I'm abiding him. And I'll tell you today, we are sitting here, and there are those of us don't get it. Because soon we finish, we're going to put our hands back on the wheel. We're going to start controlling our life, trying to fix stuff. That's why people get addicted with drugs because they're trying to fix something. So you think God going to give you a little test? So, okay, that, that's easy. Yeah. No, he's going to test to your bones. And you listen to me. Pastor Shaw, I did not, you know, when I got off that airplane, I'm feeling good. I did not know that I was not going to wake up. Are you listening to me? And my father, through that experience, was ever by my side. I was not cognizant of that fact. Though the saints all over the world was praying, but my father, I can look back in retrospect that my God went into the valley of the shadows of death and left me out of that grave. You tell me I'm going to let a little situation? No, my God said, in distress, call on his name. He don't weary. He doesn't faint. I used to have that in theory, but no more. And when that beast started roaring, brother, can we be like us and even sing with the fire flames? Come on, talk to me. And the young folks might not understand this, but the world is getting wicked and wicked. No fear, man. Are you with me? No fear. Proverbs 11, you're drawing it there. I hope you're with me, with God, because this is not me, with God. Proverbs 11, 28. He that trusted in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Ooh. Verse 28 of Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life, and he that went his soul is wise. Branch shall flourish. And they will see those fruits in your life. They're going to say, man, something about you. What is it? And what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, uh, I just study. I just, no. You point them to the vine. <laughs> I got it from the vine. You want to know how to get that? Let me show you how to abide in the vine. Am I making sense? Let's come down to the last part here. Turn back with me to John 15. Who is the vine, the true vine? Who's the branch? Who's the husband? What's the pruning process? The word. The word. It's what? It's the response to the trial. I like that. The trials and tests, they're not the pruning. It's the word that gives the solution to the trial and test. 
Here's the ministry, got, got money, got light bills. Uh, here come a test, and we're going to panic. Uh-uh. I ain't panic. Who put me in the branch? Who put me in the vine? Come on now. Who put me there? That's right. The same person put me there, going to keep me there Amen. if I stay there. Are you with me? Amen. My God on a thousand hills and the cattle thereof. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. I'm just learning to abide. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to be straight up. 40 years of doing this thing, God gave me clarity. And abiding is not momentary. Back to John. I'm going to speed on, elders, so I know the saints here. Verse 4 to 7, the Bible says in John 15, are you there with me? It says, Abide in me, and I in you. This is a reciprocal relationship. I'm in Christ, he's in me. You got it? It goes on, it says here, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Did you get that? It's nothing good you can produce. You got to get that in your mind. It goes on, it says here, follow me, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I hope you're getting that. Can you produce fruit? No. Yes, you'll be there. Emphatically, no. no. Who produced the fruit? The vine. What are you then? You are a branch. You are the vehicle through which Christ produces his fruit. That as you walk through a vineyard garden and People see the fruit, they start plucking. As they walk among you, they say, hey, 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 hey no, pluck that the little love from, from Brother Shaw. Are you following what I'm saying? It is not so much your word, man, it's your life reflecting Christ. So the same one that produced the fruit, he sustains the, vi- the branch. We got to get this in mind. Come on now. Because when I read, Pastor Shaw, that I can do nothing. So you come to me, I have phone calls, and I say, Brother Jackson, I got this problem. Okay, let's pray. Now, usually, I come up with my coaching expertise and counseling expertise, and that's good. We need those things. But my first thing, I say, now, let's turn somewhere to this John 15. Uh, look at this verse here. It says here, John 15. It goes on to verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abided in me, and I in him, the same bring forth how much fruit? For without me, you can do nothing. So you come to me, I can't do nothing. So you come into someone that can't do nothing. But if the branch is abiding in the vine, he knows where to point the soul to. Because the worst thing for you to do is to tell people what they should do. I stopped doing that. Have mercy. I can come up with an idea. I remember telling young men and women, I said, okay, you, 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 you need to be doing this. this, this, this. I, that's what I used to do. No, no more. Because if they're following my counsel without Christ, then they're operating on a weak foundation. And when the pruning takes place, they have no anchor to their soul except what Dr. Jackson said so. And my is like sinking sand. Mm-hmm. Am, are you getting it? 
as pastors, as elders, we got to understand this. It's, it's in our human nature to go to Uncle John or Uncle Sue and do everything else except to go to the vine. Mm -hmm. And if you're a part of that vine, a branch, you're going to point them to the vine. And they said, they dull a hearing. My God said, my word will find a lodging place. You tell me God cannot speak to that heart? That's what we got to get out of the way, preachers and teachers. We got to get out of the way. God will speak to any man and woman whose heart is ready to receive it. And when they receive God's word personally, they have a connection. Are you following me? People, and we'll get into this last part, but I'm going to go ahead. We have to have what we call a detachment and attachment. There it is. People are attached to the church and not Christ. They can be attached to your ministry and not Christ. I'm going to tell you now, I know what I'm talking about. You can tell, watch them. We're not producing spiritual, vibrant people in our churches. They're still dependent upon you. That's why God said to me, he said, you've been doing this training a long time, but what has to take place, you've got to train leaders. Leaders got to be trained. Jesus took 12 leaders, biblical leadership, but not the way it's been taught. Because men and women need to stand in Christ. I'm going ahead of myself. A branch cannot support another branch. Did you hear what I said? But that branch can produce fruit, get enough sap that another branch can be come up. But a branch cannot support another branch. Hello. Am I making sense to anybody here? Verse 7 said, if you, follow me now, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you should ask what you will and it should be done unto you. Let me ask this real quickly. What is this saying? When Christ said, if you abide in me, I and you, you can ask in my name, and it will be done to you. What did you think he's saying in this context? Look at it. Put your eyes on it. Come on. Follow me now. Put your eyes on it. It says, if you abide in me, and my word abide in you, you should ask what ye will, and it should be done unto you. Amen. What is that talking about? Come on, talk. Give me, give me a concrete. You're going to speak what the word in you gave you to say. All right. And he said, if you ask anything in my name, what is that we need to ask in his name? Read that. Read the, remember John 15. Read the whole thing. Because many times we ask anything in God's will, he'll give it to you. But I know time is a fact. Look at it. Brother Smith, what God is saying, abide in me. What's the purpose of abiding? To what? So he can produce fruit. So we ask according to that, that we become more fruitful. Amen. That's what that text is saying. It's not saying, give me a house, give me a job. Now, all those things are all right. But at this point, God is saying, you ask in my name, my Father going to give it to you. And I have the surety going to give it to you because he wants me to have, be fruitful. Amen. Lord, I need more love. That's in his name. He promised to produce love. Lord, I need more patience. Isn't it? I need to be temperate. Come on, talk to me. 
I can pray for that, and I can trust that God will answer my prayer. I don't get up worried about, man, I don't know if he answered my prayer because um, I'm not doing all the things that God said. But you prayed, didn't you? Now watch him do it. So now he started pruning you. And we don't get all bent out of shape and angry. We say, praise God. Come on. And then you, then you see a change. I, I tell you, in just 40 years, but just in two or three months, I've seen a change. Even as when I'm approached with staff and agitation, there's a peace. <laughs> and even when I, I believe I'm right and, I, and seeing I came off right, I, I apologize. Come on, come on. Are you listening to me? That disarmament. But in the meantime, I'm going to hold my ground. I got to get my point across so you know where I'm coming from. God said, you're not abiding. When you start doing that, you're not abiding. Are you listening to me? When Jackson said, you know, I know I'm right. I got, I got to get across to Man, you can't get across to yourself. How are you going to get across to somebody else? You've got to let something supernatural do to this. That's what we, we have not operated on the supernatural. We've seen too many people in the spirit. But God's word is powerful, man. Yeah, it's man. powerful. Yeah. Follow me. Let's move on. Now, follow me. Pastor Sharp. Now, who put us in the vine? That's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21, 22. It talks about Christ put us there. The spirit gives anointing and seals us. Is that what it says? John, 1 John 2, 27, 28. Therefore, how I get into the vine, Christ, brothers and sisters, put you there. He calls you. He moves upon your heart, and you cry out, Here I am, Lord. Have mercy on my soul. God is now grafting you into the vine. Now, in order to be grafted into the vine, the vine got to be bruised. You know that. It got to be bruised. Got to be a cut on that. But the branch got to be trimmed <laughs> to fit the graft. That's a bruising process. Did Jesus get bruised for me? You wounded for my transgression. That's good news to me. My Savior got bruised for me that I could be grafted into the vine. He puts me there. And since he puts me there, then it is his job to keep me producing. My job is simply to abide. It's to abide. I went and found definition of abiding. So just, just lose four of these. No, this is what abide. To endure without yielding. To bear patiently. To accept without objection. To remain stable. That's abiding. Now you can go and find more definitions, but that's what's good enough for me. To endure without yielding. Test trials come. Bye. I mean, I'm a, I just have to buy. I don't, I got to fight. Take off the gloves. Get into the vine. Get into the vine. Get into the vine. To bear patiently. Brother Tony, I, I say wait on the Lord. Bear patiently. And, it, and I'm going to type it. Let's, let's get it now. Let's get it now. Man, it's got a dateline. Time is ticking. So I begin to make things happen. You know what I mean? Amen. God said, wait on me. Amen. We can't do that. 
Those are the ten. Are you listening to me? So this is not an easy process, I'm saying. But it is one that is possible with Christ, and it brings joy. He don't have to put you into a seven-day death sleep to get that. He just brought me a fact just to reinforce it, just to encourage you. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't pray that God had to put you through that experience, especially if you got a wife and she, what she's going through. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't wake me up for me to just go twiddle my thumbs, read a little bit. He said, make my deeds known. That's word. To remain stable. We recruit folks and young folks. We put them into the work, and they have not been proven. We have what we call a gypsy mentality. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Lay hand suddenly on nobody. You abide in Christ and watch Christ do the work. Let's move on. A union with Christ. I'm coming down because I see time needed. A union with Christ by living faith. I want you to get this now. Is enduring. Every other union must perish. Every other union must perish. Now, when I read that, I said, okay, that means that I disconnect my relationship with my wife, my bride from my side <laughs> for 43 years. That's not what it's saying. It says here, Christ first chose you, me. We didn't choose. He chose us. That's good news. Paying an infinite price for our redemption. And the true believer chooses Christ as what? First, last, and best in everything. Huh? My wife is my most trusted companion, earthly companion, that I know on the face of the earth. I got a lot of close friends. But my heart is open, transparent. But the Bible says she's not first, she's not best, She's not last. Amen. It says, but this union costs us something. I want you to get this. It is a union of utter dependence. Now follow me. To be entered into by a proud being. Did you get that? Do you understand that? Okay, let's resonate. We all have independent spirits. We don't want to be dependent on nobody. <clears throat> I was at a church several weeks ago. We prayed for a young man. He's 15 years of age. His mother's stressed out. Father's gone. A little rebellion. So I, after they prayed, I wanted to talk to the mother and him. I said, you know, what is your concern? You know, my son, he's really not showing respect and being obedient. So I turned to the young man and said, what is it that you would like to do? Have mercy. Your mother said that you're not cooperating and being. What is it you want to do? It's not the fact I'm disobedient. There's certain things that she asked me to do that I don't like to do. So that's, that's fine. That's okay. You don't like to do then, that was more to my conversation. Then I asked him, I said, Future, what you like to do in the future? He said, now follow me. He's, he's not obedient, right? Mm -hmm. Guess what he said he want to do? He want to join the Marines. Oh, now you know that young man's mind is twisted. 
from that response. He don't want to obey mama, but he want to join the Marines. When they tell you when to squat, mine. We don't want to be dependent. Now follow me now. It says, it is a union of utter dependence to be entered in by a proud being. You got to get this. Man, it is a union. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And so as Jesus was talking to his disciples the last, that last evening, he was trying to help them to understand their helplessness. Do you understand your helplessness? Do you? This is the important question. We must all feel ultra dependence upon God. And I don't think too many people in here. I know six months ago, it was not ultra dependence. Jackson still had his hand in his life. But this experience. Thank God for it. Taught me valuable lesson. What does it mean? The word other. It means extreme. It means our extreme dependence upon God. Can anybody real quickly share in your own words? What does that mean? Extreme dependence upon God. What does that mean? What does that mean? Extreme dependence upon the most out of the order, out of order mode. The most extreme. Go ahead, Miss Smith. Go ahead. At the very end of it, you're still dependent. If I take an inventory, especially a lot of young folks today, that spirit of independence is strongly ingrained, ingrained into the DNA. And that's not a put down, because God know that. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? He know that. That's, that's not a put down to say that. He know that. But he has a way to fix it. <laughs> that's all he's going to do. He's going to fix it, because we all want control. <laughs> I'm a, God, I control you, too. I want this. <laughs> I need this. That's not dependence. Dependence, Lord. Like people put on your clothes, like, you know, feeding you. It's like a child. It's a baby. Here I'm grown and gone. All the dependence. Notice this. All who form this union must feel their need of the atoning blood of Christ. They must have what? Change your heart. They must submit their own will to the will of God. That's where the problem is. There will be a struggle without an internal obstacles. Do you hear that? For you and I to totally submit our will to God, there's a struggle. There's friends pulling you. There's passion. There's a lot of things pulling at you. God didn't say it'd be easy, but he said all things are possible to me. All you need to do is say, Lord, I want this. I want this. Through the right exercise of the will, an entire change may be made in the life. By yielding up the will to Christ, we ally ourselves with divine power. We receive strength from above to hold us steadfast. That's what abide in a pure and noble life. A life, this is what Elder uh, Shaw was talking about, a life of victory over appetite. Lust is possible to everyone who will unite his weak, wavering human will 
to the omnipotent, unwavering will of God. This is possible through who? By abiding in him. By saying, Lord, here is my will. Take it. As, now, I like this. As fast as the soul resolves. What does that word resolve mean? You have a mind like Daniel did. Circumstances did not dictate. He said, I'm not going to defile my body. Fire, flames, I'm not going to bow down to three Hebrews. As fast as the soul resolves. The reason that doesn't happen because we're not resolved. As fast as the soul resolves to act in accordance with the light given, the Holy Spirit gives more light and strength. The grace of the Spirit is supplied to cooperate with the soul's resolve, but is not a substitute for the individual exercise of faith. Therefore, I must say, Lord, here is my will. Soon I resolve, power comes. Woo! <laughs> you don't get it. Power, no matter what comes your way, there's nothing that can buffer you. Nothing can snatch you. That is the power of God. He spoke and it was. It goes on. Success in the Christian life depends upon the appropriation of the light. The light comes from the word. The light is pruning. The light tells you to do something. And you say, no, okay, Lord, as soon as the soul resolves, no matter what it takes, I'm going to step on your word. Light and evidence that makes the soul free in Christ. It is the rising of the powers in the will, in the energy of the soul to cry out sincerely. Lord, I believe. You said this last night. Help my unbelief. They enter in not because of unbelief. Goes on. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my present only, but how now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God what? Working in you. Finally, when I had my encounter, not a heart attack, electrical current in this heart, stopped malfunction. Woke up, God said, I'm not going to repair the heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. You talked about capacity last night. Did you not? Amen. I was taking notes. <laughs> now listen, capacity. Listen to this. We're almost there. A new heart. I said every one of us in here needs a new heart. Come on, that's right. Amen. I don't want God to repair my heart. That's right. That's right. I want a new heart. Why? Proverbs 4, 20 say, out of the heart of the issues of life. Mark 7 say, all of these cursing and, and whoremonging comes out of the heart. That's what he said. Matthew said, 21, fall on the rock and be broken. And it begins to explain. And Jeremiah 79 said, what? The heart is what? And what? What does that mean, desperate wicked? Anything. Who can know it? So there's not one person here, if they have not given their heart to Jesus, that they can trust your heart. Even for a moment, you try and watch it, the end result. It's not going to work. So God said, your heart, Jackson. I was deceived thinking that my ministry work commended me to God. He said, your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. I want to give you a new heart. Mark 7, 21, you see that. Bible says, 
I broke your heart that I can give you a new heart. Now, when they, anybody had a surgical procedure done, you know, you know, that kind of anesthetize you, put you to sleep, especially when they want to do something, transplant, they have to put you to sleep. So God put me to sleep, fellas. You know what I'm saying? So that very little pain is felt through this operation. Come on now. He put me to sleep. And he performed my operation on me. I woke up. Praising God. New heart. How can we have room Pastor Sharp, for God's presence, that's that capacity, and blessing with all the stuff residing in our hearts. The good news is that God is ready to replace our hearts once they are broken. Not repair, but to replace. How do we have a broken heart? We fall on a rock. We will recognize, I'm proud, I'm selfish. We recognize only the, only the heart transplanted by God has the capacity to house the spirit. So when you're talking to us, young folks say, we need a capacity. We, not resonating, we think the heart we have, we can do something with it to create the capacity, but we can't do nothing with the heart we have. We need a new heart. Ezekiel 26, 25, God said, I will give you a new heart. I will take out the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. That's what he said. That's Ezekiel. When we allow the exchange of our hearts for his, then he may safely fulfill his promise to us. Promises of pardon, peace, and prosperity, and possession. He cannot safely trust, he cannot safely trust Thomas Jackson before July the 17th. Mercy, Jesus. He just gave me some tokens, and I just held on to those tokens and thinking it was all right and didn't want to go anywhere. I plateaued. It's just like my heart. Therefore, it flatlined. Can you listen to me? God, give me a new heart. He said, I will give you the desires of your heart. We read this text. And you say, God, well, I like that girl or that'll be my wife. That's the desire of my heart. That's your heart. That's not God's heart. That's what this text means. When God gives you a new heart, out of that new heart, you're going to ask for the will of God to be done. It is be his heart. Are you with me? So we first, before we talk about getting married or anything, let's get in Christ and abide in him and watch him work it out. Because it looks good on the outside, but in that inside, there's obstruction there. There must be a painful work of detachment as well as a work of attachment. What we need to be detached from, pride, selfishness, vanity, worldliness, sin in all its form must be overcome. If we were entered to a union with Christ, there must be a detachment from me. I'm public enemy number one. 
The reason why many find the Christian life so deplorable hard, while they're so fickle, so variable, is they try to attach themselves to Christ without first detaching themselves from these cherished items. And that's why people, you know, we give people tracts, they read, then we baptize them. They're not ready to be baptized. They need to be studied. They're not ready. They still attach to man. They're attached to themselves. And that's why the church is in a dead state it is now. Because you got dependent people attached to a building, attached to man, and they're not about God. Because a branch cannot support another branch. That branch must receive the living sap from himself. Get to receive. What does it mean to be dead to self and sin? To have a new life. If you are dead to self and sin, you have given up your rights to selfishness and worldly pressure. You have also given up your right to use Satan's methods to fight your battle. So you can know whether you're dead to yourself by the fruit. You know if you have using Satan's methods and what, therefore, God wants us to do when he wants to incite you, that's Satan, to impatient, irritation, resentment, anger, envy, jealousy, lust, Hatred, bitterness, rebellion. But you can use God's method of love and forgiveness. Amen. You know you're abiding in Christ. Hallelujah. If you're still using those methods, God got to do some pruning on you. You don't measure yourself by the way that I know prophecy, which you should know. I can preach, but do you have the fruit? Mercy. Do you have the fruit? Until the heart is surrendered unconditionally to God, the human agent is not abiding. The human agent is not abiding in the true vine and cannot flourish in the vine and bear clusters of fruit. God would not make the slightest compromise with sin. If he could have done this, Christ need not have come to our world and suffer and die. No conversion is genuine which does not change both the character and the conduct of those who accept the truth. Truth worketh by love and purify the soul. Until a total surrender, a sense of unworthiness will lead the heart to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this desire will not be disappointed. I like that. Will not be disappointed. Those who make room in their hearts for Jesus will realize his love. All who long to bear the likeness of the character of God shall be satisfied. Many are inquiring. I am to make the surrender of myself to God. You desire to give yourself to him, but you are weak in moral power, in slavery to doubt, and controlled by the habits of life of sin. Your promises and resolutions are like the ropes of sin, ropes of sand. New Year's come around, we make resolution and promises. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. Do you hear that? You say, man, what am I, just a robot? God is just telling you that you can't do any of these things. But you have a will. He goes on and says, the knowledge of your broken promises. How many people are held captive by devil based on your past? The devil keeps your past before you. See how messed up you are? God can't help you. He is a liar. That's right, that's right. God go to the uttermost to save us. And we find the Holy Spirit never leaves unassisted the soul who is looking unto Jesus. He takes of the things of Christ and shows them unto him. 
if the eye is kept fixed on Christ, abiding, the work of the Spirit ceases not until the soul is conformed to his image. Do you hear that? There's nobody in here has been forsaken. <laughs> You're being transformed, and God's going to do some pruning. He's going to do some pruning. You see, the pure element of love will expand the soul. Pastor Sharp, giving it a capacity for higher attainment for increased knowledge of heavenly things so that it will not rest short of the fullness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Look at the promise. The blood of Christ. Come on, come on. Brothers and sisters, I got a flag here. Have mercy. I surrender. Have mercy. I woke up on that Sabbath day holding my wife's hand, praying. I said in my heart, Lord, I give up. I give up. I'm taking my hand off of your work. I hope you have a flag Amen. in life that we can say, you might not know all the ins and outs. That's going to be the hardest thing for you to do is to surrender. You know what I mean? I explain what that surrender means. It doesn't mean saying, yes, I, it's not an intellectual acknowledging of God. It's totally realizing your ultra dependence upon God. Amen. This morning as we close, I want you to really to prayerfully consider what God is saying. If all I had to do coming from that depth sleep to tell you that if you and I today when we hear his voice pastors, church. I want to totally be altered dependent upon God. And Lord, if I know how to do that, make it happen in my life. He will do it in his mercy and love. I know that's going to be the challenge. That's the challenge of the church. It's still there because we hear, praise God for meetings like this, and God is trying to bring us closer to eternity. I can tell you without blinking my eye, without trembling, that if we do that, there will be a peace in your life that you have never experienced before. Amen. Amen. Though the walls around you fall, you can now give this message, go forth with the assurance that when things come to you, you know it is all as well. Like the children like Lenny said, it is well. Mercy. It is well. I can surely guarantee that for Christ's sake. Because that is what I'm experiencing. Forty years in his work, I had some peace. But things disturbed the peace. Yes, you're gonna be but you it would not take your peace. You would be buffered. You would be, you know. But you would not become agitated, irritated. You rest. Amen. Am I making sense to anybody? Amen. I surrender. That's what it says. I surrender all to Jesus. This is a wonderful thing. And in that process, you know, when you talk about giving, my battery's gone. 
given your life to Jesus, we're just going to have to just continue to behold him. We got to behold him. I suggest to abide in Christ once you raise your white flags. I tell you, that was a blessed day, the most blessed day I've ever experienced. Waking up from a death sleep and surrendering. Beholding Christ. I want to pray now. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask anyone here to stand all of that. Well, something's clear in your mind. Who's the vine? Jesus. The true vine. Jesus. Who's the branch? We are. What's the purpose of the branch? Who produced those fruits? What do we have to do? Abide. Abide. <clears throat> and we know what those fruits are. If the devil calls me to become irritated because my wife said something and I begin to try to check her in the spirit of Christ, I'm not abiding. You cannot blame people for your problems, though they be part of that. You cannot blame the environment. You cannot do that. The branch will bring forth fruit in any condition. So God take away all of our excuses. Well, you can say, I came from a broken home. That's what made me like this. Don't use that. I came from one too. Hmm? I came from a matriarchal home, not a patriarchal home. When I listened to uh, Derek Bobby's father, I came from a matriarchal home. But that's not the excuse. Do not let your past, do not let your heritage be the force in your life that impedes you from receiving the blessing that God want to give us to become more fruitful. Don't say, if I had a better chance, if I had this, uh-uh. Everything is in Christ. That's right. That's right. No more excuses. I wish I had a father. I wish I had a brother. I wish I had... No more excuses. Christ said, I am everything you need. If you trust me, watch yourself blossom especially young folk. There's, I don't, there's not another 40 years. You got teenagers here. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, my coming back to life is something significant to me in a sense that whether I be part of 140,000, but I know there's not another 40 years. That's right. That's right. It's not. Make today the day you say, Lord, I surrender. I give it to you. Teach me how to be a fruitful branch. That is your purpose and my purpose. My purpose on this earth is to reflect the image of Christ, to let him produce the fruits to me. I must align myself. That's your purpose. You can go to college. I'm not knocking down. You can do all that computer. That's not your purpose. If that which you learn from school is not going to help you to be a fruitful vine, then you waste your time. I don't knock people. I don't say you, everybody had to be a preacher. Everybody got to be, you know, be in full-time ministry. But you must be a vine, a branch, that other men and women can see your fruit and glorify. And young folks, you have such opportunity. We, I call this the Google generation. 
Everything is technology. And look at how the young people are just going haywire. You can be a force. My, my last point, I was doing a meeting, getting my testimony, my grandson didn't work. He's, he was here last time, yeah, first time. Yeah, He's yeah. 20, the Lord has blessed him. And his father, he had the same relationship with his father that I had with mine. No relationship. Bitterness, resentment, anger, permeate my life. This has been several years. Went looking for my father because I never met the man. Eventually I found the man. The first time, God wouldn't let me see until he downloaded me his spirit. Mm -hmm. Then when I did see him, and even though his wife he had, I tried to respect that. And I just simply, we could talk. I just looked at his, grabbed his hand and said, do you know who I am? Mercy, mercy, mercy. And I said, you might not know who I am. He said, oh, yeah, I know. I said, one thing, Dad, I forgive you. Mercy. Anything you need, I'm here. Are you listening to me? Mercy. I let it go. Mercy, I mercy, didn't, mercy. I didn't, I didn't ask why you abandoned I, I just said, because I had that bitterness in my heart, and God lifted that way. And so God took me to another phase. And so I want to pray. You know what need pruning in your life in order for you to be more fruitful. As I pray, just pray in your heart. And do not be afraid of the pruning. It's going to produce peaceful fruit. Mercy, I'm tell you. Mercy, mercy. It's going to produce that. That old man, Jackson, every time he tried to peep his ugly head, I put the word on him. Come on now. Because I, I, I'm like you and like some of you guys, you know. I, we hard my own way. I, if I'm right, I'm right. I'm going to prove that I'm right. I don't have to do that no more. That's right. That's right. I want to prove it. I'm like, I want to bear fruit. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And in that, that gives power to what I got to say. So we're going to pray. So now it's time to break. And you pray in your heart. And if you sense the need of God in your life, invite him today.